Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Ahsoka. The series created and written by Dave Filoni for Disney+. It is part of the Star Wars franchise and a spin-off from the series The Mandalorian, taking place in the same time frame as that series and its other interconnected spin-offs after the events of Return of the Jedi. It also serves as a continuation to the animated series Star Wars Rebels, but that's pretty obvious. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, and Dave Filoni, um, Ahsoka, a character he created, uh, famously for those who don't know, he was actually working on season one of Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender, and was, you know, that show was doing quite well and had become so impressive. George Lucas uh, headhunted him to do the Clone Wars cartoon. Uh, so much was it out the blue that Dave Filoni himself, when he got the phone call, was like, thought it was his friends messing with him and almost missed out on the entire opportunity before he's finally like, wait, is this legitimate? Like, this isn't a joke. This isn't my friends pranking me. Is that, oh, no, 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 no. I'll come, I'll come to the Skywalker Ranch for a meeting. Uh, but yeah, he created Ahsoka for the Clone Wars uh, animated film that was released in cinemas. And then seven seasons of the Clone Wars cartoon, then the Rebels TV show, although really it was six seasons. Clone Wars, then Rebels, then we got the final seventh season, and then she popped up in Mandalorian. It's been a whole bunch of stuff, but it's literally his character and whenever they have to reference her or use her in books and stuff, I believe they go to him for like authorization. They don't need to, but something they do just to ensure that it's correct. And I think it's out of respect as well. I mean, this guy lives and breathes Star Wars. I mean, him working with John Favreau, all the Disney Plus shows, for the most part, is is magic. And there's some things that happen away from Favreau, like the Book of Boba Fett. It has some good episodes, but those are, those episodes aren't often about Boba Fett. It's an episode yeah. with Ahsoka, or it's an episode with The Mandalorian. Yeah. But for the most part... His yeah, his work is is fantastic. He's also he's credited as the creator of Star Wars Resistance. Early on, years ago, even we talked about the idea of reviewing that. It's one of the few Star Wars TV shows we haven't touched. But then he's also done Star Wars: The Bad Batch, which has been renewed for a third season. Yeah, but Ahsoka, she's. She's the character that he he created. I mean, originally in animation, it wasn't Rosario Dawson. It was Ashley Eckstein. And the thing with Star Wars live action animated, they tend to bring the actors back. We're getting that with Lars Mikkelsen as Grand Admiral Thrawn. But she's yeah. somebody that obviously they haven't brought back for Obvious reason she played a young version of the character. Well, even yeah, it's an a older shame. version, but it doesn't always work, does it? No. Um, 
And it's not like she hasn't done live action acting before. She's been on a multitude of like Disney shows, ironically, um, like back uh, for like the Disney Channel uh, back in the early 2000s and stuff um, before she was Ahsoka. And during the time she was Ahsoka, I think she's on like Girl Girl Meets World or something like that and other shows of that ilk. But it's a physical role. There's stunt work, which is outside of her um, experience. Even for motion capture for Ahsoka, they brought in special uh, martial artists to do that. Uh, the stuff for season seven of Clone Wars. Uh, even though they brought Ray and they brought Ray Park back in to do the stuff for Maul, even though the voice work from basically the Phantom Menace onwards had been done by Sam Witwer. Uh, they're like that's all well and good, but you're not going to out Darth Maul, Ray Park in terms of physicality of the role. So, Absolutely not. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the reasons they went for Rosario Dawson, which I understand. Uh, I do have issues uh, with some of the stuff for this series. Uh, mainly, she didn't feel as a Sokery for her own series as she did in those episodes of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Which is strange because it's written by Dave Filoni. It's the same actress, and I think he even directed the first episode or the first two episodes. So for her to not feel quite the same, I couldn't put my finger on it. Of like, what? What am I noticing here? What is? Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Maybe I guess it's a later part in her life. So. It's obviously intentional to get in her to play the role a little bit different. And now she's back in the position of being a master. Her yeah. apprentice is back. Obviously, we'd had that before in in animation. But Rosario Dawson, I mean, she's fantastic. Like she's great in pretty much everything, to be honest, you know, whether it's yeah. action, you know, horror, comedy, whenever she pops up. She's always, always good. But years ago, Australian artist, he does a lot of official work now, Boss Logic. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. So he, back in the day, what he would do like digitally, he'd like, he'd take an image or a photo of an actor and digitally make them look like characters. And now he does official work for all the big studios. But back then, it was all like fan casting images that he'd put out there. And I'm pretty sure yeah. he was the first person to put out an image of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. Fast forward to now, and he put out an official Ahsoka poster with Rosario Dawson, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, also on the show, playing Sabine Wren, who was voiced, I believe that's by Mindy Kaling, voiced uh, Sabine Wren. In Rebels. Uh, so they didn't get her to play live action Sabine Wren because she's significantly older than the character should be and missing some of the physical attributes. Uh, they've gotten uh, Australian Natasha Lou Bordizzo, who, in all fairness, has far more screen time than Rosario Dawson, which was, which was strange. The show's called Ahsoka. Rosario Dawson plays Ahsoka, yet more of the attention is on Sabine Wren. Battle character. 
it's noticeable. There's yeah. times where Ahsoka just disappears. So can we just put a pin in it? Yep, yep. For yeah, a absolutely. moment. <laughs> this is a live-action continuation of Star Wars Rebels. Now, yep. I've got mates who are big Star Wars fans, but I'm talking the movies, the live-action yep. TV shows. That is what that is what they watch and enjoy. They haven't seen animated Star Wars. Yeah. They've not even started Ahsoka for that yep. very reason. Because they're like, well, this doesn't feel like it's for me, even though it's live action, it's a character or an actor we've seen already in, you know, the book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian. But at the same time, this is a story about the characters from Star Wars Rebels who there's no connection with. And yes, Ahsoka was animated in Star Wars Clone Wars, but again, talking about characters like Sabine and Eris and Dula. And Ezra, you know, all these characters. Yeah. So they've not even started. They've not even started. I mean, it's over now. We're talking about it. The complete, I'm going to say season, because it got advertised as a miniseries. There's talks about whether or not it's going to get a second season. So when I release this episode, the title of the episode will be, I'll give it the full title, Star Wars Ahsoka Season 1. Whether or not we get a second season or this ends up being a miniseries, I've got to be honest, as someone who, for the most part, and more often than not, was enjoying this show, when you get to that finale... And the show doesn't end, it just stops. I'm like, come on. Because I know it's yeah. part of the wider Star Wars universe. Yeah. Dave Filoni is yeah. planning a, a, like a, a movie on Disney Plus with all the different Star yeah, Wars Yeah, and this characters. was announced some time ago before this. I think around the site. No, they announced Ahsoka first. And then I think it was like a year later, maybe, or six months Either it was at like a D23, they announced Ahsoka, and then like Celebration, they announced that they're going to be wrapping up essentially the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and some other stuff in a movie about Thrawn. So I knew going in, it wasn't all going to be wrapped up and it wasn't going to be resolved. But that final episode still happens, and I'm like, wait, this is this is where you're leaving it i feel you've got more ground to cover i don't feel like you've done enough to launch into the movie because mandalorian season three is not what we uh, it was not planned to be what we ended up with there was supposed to be a different series to take care of a lot of that stuff and mandalorian season three was supposed to be something else but they had to once that show got cancelled, the Rangers of the New Republic, they had to fold all that stuff into Mandalorian because it had to get told. And that was the next one up. Now we've had Ahsoka. Again, it feels, no, 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 like you need a, a another show. I wouldn't expect it to be Mandalorian Season 4 either. You really do need that uh, Rangers of the New Republic or a replacement for that. That's not my Mandalorian of like, okay, so, but what's happening with his build-up for his movie, because you can't just now launch. Because I'm, I'm presuming he needs to like now he like spoilers. 
he gets back. We all knew that was happening because they were there again, the announcements of like getting to where they are, but he's just got a star destroyer and that's it. He's got to create, he's got to link up with other pockets of Imperial, uh, personnel and materials and start folding him all together and start to produce a plan and create basically a, a front from which to attack from or, 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 or to push forward through, um, which, and you can't do all that over the course of a movie. There's simply not enough runtime. You need another season of something. An Ahsoka season two would make sense, even though you call it that. And she's, not going to be as pivotal as she has been in this this season but it is strange i i, I had that same feeling you did i'm like the movie the, the episode the spot finale happened i'm like wait what and i knew it, that it really felt like mid-season it, this I knew like it was like the last season cliffhanger i knew it was the last episode but i still had to double check because i'm like really this is so it's eight episodes that's it it's all done so again that is this a season? Is it a mini series? So there's a question mark around that. But again, there's conversations about a potential second season. But going back to people that aren't watching it because they're feeling as though, although they're fans of Star Wars, this isn't for them. Star Wars Rebels, they haven't seen it. The way that they're releasing these shows, and I'd say even more than what they're doing with Marvel, you kind of do need to see it all. If yeah. you want the big picture, you definitely need to see all the live action stuff. So if you're somebody that's saying, well, I like Star Wars, but I haven't seen Rebels, I'll skip Ahsoka and then I'll wait for season four of Mandalorian. You can't because you're going to miss you're going to miss too much. It's like if you were only watching Mandalorian and chose not to watch the book of Boba Fett. Well, yeah, season two season of Mandalorian three. ends. Grogu and Mando, they've been separated. They're not together anymore. Season three, and season back three together. starts, and yeah, and you're like, wait, because what? it happened in the I book of Boba Fett. Sworn, yeah, I could have sworn they parted ways. Ahsoka appeared alongside yeah. a young Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it's yeah. like you do, you do need need to see see it all. But I mean, I always say like whenever we talk Star Wars, I really like Star Wars. You love Star Wars, and and I, you know, really, yeah. really do do like it. Whereas, you know, I can just lean back and just listen to you talk about Star Wars. You've got all all the knowledge. You've seen everything. I've seen most things. Um, I've got a couple of gaps. There's probably some episodes that I need to catch up on. Animated Star Wars with its Clone Wars, a handful of Rebels episodes, but you've seen all of it. But as I'm watching yeah. Ahsoka episode one, two, getting through the season. And it's like, this is Rebels. This is Rebels. Yeah. Like it's you know, you're you're to care about Ezra. And it can't just come from the characters, whether it's Hera, whether it's Sabine, like they're longing, they're wanting to be reunited with Ezra. Like to feel that it helps if you've seen if you've seen Rebels, because otherwise yeah. you don't automatically care about Ezra in this live action form. The casting, though, what I will say, you know, we could just move past that now because we've seen it. Yeah. We, we know animated Star Wars, live action Star Wars. The actor playing Ezra is, for me, again, it's a show about Ahsoka, title character. Ezra, for me, was the absolute highlight of this whole show. The actor 
is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he really he really does an excellent job of capturing the feeling, like he, the complete opposite of what Rosario Dawson did this season. Like, I feel like that's something that they added to this season of like, oh, she's unsure, she's not as committed and as like, like as um, a Sokery as she was in Mandalorian because she kind of didn't have a dog in that fight. It, she didn't want Grogu. She didn't want an apprentice. She ha- was doing her own thing. But this is her own thing, and I said they've added this sort of stuff. So she doesn't feel right. Same with Hera. She's not like the leader of a rebel cell now. She's got a more official title and she's kind of chafing under the bureaucracy of it all. And she's feeling flat in comparison. And she's also missing, other than Chopper, she's missing like the entire crew of the ghosts, which makes her feel even more isolated because she's not bouncing off that familiarity. Well, so you don't yeah, you I, don't get that until the very yeah. end. Chopper is in it, once again voiced by yeah. Dave Filoni. That guy gets yeah. around. <laughs> but uh Amanda Svandi as oh, Ezra yeah. is Ezra. Like he's got the same sense of humor. He's got the same like kind of bashful look. He's got that that kind of uh useful exuberance and like the Everything's going to find like salt be all right. We're going to get through this. We'll just, well, he's just we'll wing it. Wide eyed character is like, yeah, Luke Skywalker. Like yeah. when he just he wanted to get off the planet, he wanted to get out there and go on adventures. And that's what you get from Ezra. And again, like, man, he is just fantastic. I mean, I'm assuming he's wearing contact lenses because yeah. Ezra, you know, he's got the same, same eye color, which is it purple? He's got purple. Is it purple eyes? It's blue. There's blue eyes, but he has. There's, he's there's like, to also have blue hair, but they didn't go quite that much because which was the right choice. They did. Yeah. We've helped me out here, Boimler oh, so in the, Star yeah. Trek: Strange New World. Said, yeah, Jack Wade. Yeah, they did it with him transitioning from animation to live action. That worked, and that's fine. It would yeah, be but you have a direct comparison. You got actually literally in that episode going animated and then live action, whereas this it's it all live weird. action. So he's yeah, got black hair. Especially with Hera, um, not Hera, Sabine having purple hair. If you saw him with blue hair, you'd be like, wait, what? It would have been two siblings. That works. Yeah. For Sabine, but yeah, it would have been odd, wouldn't it? But yeah, but it was yeah. just great. And you know, there's no moment where he was reluctant to take his lightsaber back. And then he's fighting using the force without a lightsaber. That was really cool. But just him as a character, the actor, it's like, this is what I want to see. I want to see yeah. more of this. And just like that you're talking about with the quips, probably the moment in the show that most resembles his character in animation is when he's got the radio and he pretends to be a stormtrooper. Yeah. And he has that little dialogue exchange. Like, oh, that's cool. That's fun. That's the character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other standout for me was uh, Hu Yang, played by voiced by David Tennant. He's the uh, yes. Jedi robot, and he's so David Tennant, <laughs> but it works. He's just telling everything as per his programming. As this is what my programming dictates. This is how what Jedi uh, like official Jedi protocol is. All that sort of stuff. 
and he's talking about Sabine. She's like, she's the worst candidate I've ever seen. She would not have been accepted by the Jedi Order, like all this sort of stuff. And it sounds like harsh, but it's just he's telling the, the statistics as they are. He's not being malicious. He actually cares about her, but he's like, no other Jedi would ever have taken her on. <laughs> yeah. But I, know, <laughs> I know he first appeared in animation, Clone Wars, and it's great that he's another actor that's back. But look at what David Tennant has. He's about to return as the 10th Doctor in those yeah. three specials ahead of the 60th anniversary. He's got Doctor Who. He's got Star Wars. He's got Good Omens. Yeah, He's doing okay, isn't he? But it is yeah. really cool having him here. I mean, David Tennant, he's got such a distinctive accent, like uh, voice. Like you can pick it straight away. It's, it's really fun, yeah. fun having him here. Um, yeah, that character, you know, been in animation before. We don't know exactly how old the character is or how long he's been in service, but apparently yeah. he's been training younglings for over 25,000 years, which obviously is a very, very long time, but they don't know exactly. Um, but when you may know, well, you would know this. Apparently, when he first arrived, in the show, he was in a big blue box. Does that ring a bell? But all apparently was a nod to Doctor Who, obviously the the blue police box. Uh, I'm assuming that happened well, at some point in Clone Wars. Well, in Clone Wars, the the most famous story arc that comes to mind for me is Ahsoka goes with Yoda and a bunch of younglings to get their kyber crystals for their first lightsabers. And of course, Huyang is the, um, the robot on the ship that when they go to, he instructs them on how to put together the lightsabers, but their ship's blue. It's a Republic ship. It's blue and white. Um, ah, right. But him rec- arriving in a big blue box, I don't, it, it, I would not, I wouldn't have picked it up at the time. Because I don't, I wouldn't have been thinking Doctor Who at the time, but as soon as I was watching this, as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, "Man, does that sound like David Tennant?" And then, sure enough, the the credits start rolling, and there he is. I'm like, "Well, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that, that that makes sense." I picked it, okay. but not at the time of the cartoon because for me, when I was watching the cartoon, he's already such a big name. I would have thought he would have done a, an American cartoon. No, ridiculous. Me... He was that, he was still the Doctor at the time. <laughs> Let me just check my notes then. Okay, so before the collapse of the Jedi Order, when he was training younglings, nobody is sure of his exact origins, but there was a rumour that spread among the younglings that he arrived in a big blue box. So maybe it's not something uh, or it's, it's yeah, something yeah, that's, it's, that's yeah. spoken about. That makes sense, yeah. because That's a, that's a fun thing they had had there. I mean, one of the villains in this, and it's so unfortunate, the you know, the passing of Ray Stevenson, his character, Balan, yeah. often a quiet character, but just had that cold stare and that presence, and he's got his own apprentice. But just every scene that he was in, now, he passed away before the season premiere, so we had the knowledge of his passing, you know, the whole time we got to see this show. 
But we've seen him, you know, in other things over the years, and he's always consistently, you know, really good. But yeah, he just it hit different, like knowing that as an actor is no longer with us. But this is yeah. such an interesting character. And I was curious, you know, getting towards the end of the, the season, what's going to happen with this character? Are they going to do something to take him off the board? And yeah. no, he's still alive and yeah, so okay. So this character yeah, and he has is a very he has a very very specific he's not he's hired by uh El uh, Morgan Elsbeth essentially on behalf of Thrawn, but he is not with them. He's doing a job to get it's a means to an end for him. He has his own motivation, which we don't know. And it's now not voiced throughout the series, but he wants to be in that galaxy and he wants to change fate, so to speak. And that you actually see him on his final shot. He's stood on the statue's outstretched hand. That's the father from the Clone Wars. There was the father, the son, and the daughter were like three aspects of the Force. The daughter was the light, the sun was the darkness, and you can actually see a statue of the sun standing next to the statue of the father. Um, and the father was the balance between the two. So that's interesting. Uh, you also saw that in Rebels. It's the painting that they uh, they alter to get to the, the, the void, the world between worlds, which we saw in this season and episode five with this, with Anakin. But so it's clearly going somewhere where that's going to end up. Don't know. What do they do with it? Who knows? Like they have to recast surely because the only it's such a massive unresolved storyline. Yeah. Um, and his uh, apprentice, Shin Hardy, played by Ivana Sapno, who also does a really great job. He says he's trained her not to be like a Jedi and he's definitely not trained her to be as a Sith. He's training her to be, I guess, independent, more on her own path, able to think uh, different ways, but also he's not expecting her to follow him. Like he's on his path and he's not going to like force her to go along. He's going to do her thing, which in itself is very interesting because that's not the way a Jedi or a Sith would go either. Yeah. So he, he it, it makes more, he, He's become he becomes such an interesting character that I want to see more of him. I, I yeah, would watch a Balin Skulls show to be like, <laughs> what's his past? Yeah. How did he survive Order 66? How did he come to the conclusions that he has now? And also, what's his aim? Where's he going? What's his end goal? Because it doesn't seem to be like, I want to rule. I want to take out these people. I'm looking for revenge. It seems to be something completely different and that's more interesting it's very interesting than anyone else <laughs> and with what happened with sabine is a man of his word like yeah. give me the information and you can go okay yeah let her go yeah. <laughs> it, it is it is interesting and then yeah he's um his apprentice uh shin yeah really like herself so we're going to get more of her where we don't know but we know that she's yeah. going to be popping up again at at some point, you mentioned yeah. Anakin Skywalker. 
Hayden Christensen. It's like, you know, when the prequels were happening, more so episode two, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Which obviously was his first time as Anakin. He'd got so much criticism, you know, for his acting and obviously those films. And people like episode three a lot more than they do episode two. But for the longest time, not quite as bad as the Jar Jar Binks actor got it. But people gave him so much stick over the years. Yeah. Fast forward to now. That's He's all gone away. <laughs> He's beloved. Yeah. It's all gone away. And what did you say? Episode five. That's where we yeah. get this episode. It's when Ahsoka, Sabine believes that Ahsoka is dead. She's going on her own journey. And that's when we got the flashbacks to live action scenes from the Clone Wars TV show when we've got young Ahsoka and then Anakin is guiding her through that. So obviously de-aged because Hayden yeah. Christensen has aged since then, but the effects look great. The de-aging yeah. and it's so good getting more of him as Anakin and wearing what he wore in the animated show, but now in live yeah. action. They did a good, yeah. really I have good to say, My big problem with that is it happens mid-season, and I feel like that was the highlight of the whole season because he did. He, it's like he he stepped right off the set of Revenge of the Sith and onto the set for this. He was so comfortable. He was so tone perfect. Everything. Um, but the other thing it did, and uh, it it did two things. Um, I didn't have I. Noticed Rosario Dawson's uh, lightsaber like choreography and stuff was quite slow. And I didn't think any, much of it. I'm just like, oh, it might just be well, how they're going with this. It might be a restriction of the volume because, of course, it is a specific size and maybe due to shooting and that kind of stuff. And also, she's no spring chicken. You know, she's not 25 years old. She's probably closer to my age pushing 40 if not in her 40s uh so that makes sense but then you see hayden christensen and he's as fast and fluid as he was on revenge of the sith it's it's effortless for him have you seen and then you see have you, have the you young seen, ahsoka but with hayden christensen before you get to her have you seen behind the scenes him training with a lightsaber yeah and it was him training for the obi-wan series yeah. the guy is incredible like yeah. he is way better than an actor needs to be. <laughs> like the yeah, the, like the the speed, the technique, and he has been doing be more than her. To be fair, that's true, and I I suspect because him and Neil McGregor put so many hours. We're talking years over the prequels into uh learning how to use a lightsaber and doing choreography and that sort of stuff. And I don't, I don't think either of them ever truly put it down. I think it's something that every now and then, if they're like sweeping around the house or something, they give themselves like a little, like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you have to, yeah, how could you not? Yeah, yeah. You spent so long perfecting that, that they have all that muscle memory, uh, but you can see it. You can see it on him again versus her. He's so much more comfortable and so much more fluid. Then young Ahsoka, uh, played by Ariana Greenblatt, who played young Gamora, 
and uh, also earlier this year in the Barbie movie, she was like the daughter. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, America, America Ferreira. Ferreira. That's right. Yeah. Her stunt work is also extremely fast and fluid, and I'm like, again, a fraction of the age of Rosario Dawson, but and you know when you are younger, you pick up things like this much quicker. But unfortunately, that in terms of lightsaber technique and that that was like a highlight mid season. And from then on, nothing ever looked fast or fluid enough for me. I was like, ah, I've seen it done better uh, like last week or, or two weeks ago. You know what, what happened with episode five for me, for the most part, these episodes were released on a Wednesday and that's when I would watch them. Episode five, for whatever reason, I didn't get to see it until Thursday. So in between the episode airing, and me finally getting to see it just one day later, Disney Plus officially released a mid-season poster featuring Hayden Christensen. I was like, "You bastards!" <laughs> <laughs> like, damn! Yeah. I was I was trying not to get spoiled. We knew that it was going to appear. We didn't know when. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I said. Nothing but praise. He's fantastic. Um, and more. I, I, I think I, we said this during Kenobi, but I'm like, more, more Hayden Christensen, please. More. I want, like, he's clearly not lost a step. Like, if you can figure a way in which to give us more, I want it. Give me. I don't mean to be rude, but outside of Star Wars, I'm not really seeing him pop up anywhere else. Yeah. I think he's got time to maybe yeah. do some more Star Wars. I'd absolutely yeah. like to see see some more of him. Yeah. Uh, Mon Mothma, of course, returns for this, played by Genevieve O'Reilly, who has played the character since her scenes were cut for Revenge of the Sith, ironically. This actress does not age. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's like, true. We we first saw was it Rogue One? Is that where she first officially appeared? Yeah, so she's in Rogue One, uh, and of course she's also reprising that role for Andor, which is phenomenal. Uh, and she's in this as well. She doesn't appear a lot, but tonally she's again like Hayden Christensen. Perfect. I mean, he, she's had the advantage of playing the character a lot more recently, uh, as recently as like last year for Andor, um, and a lot of hours put into the character, but she's great. Um, there are other senators they put in the room with her. You've got Senator Shiano, played by Nelson Lee, who's like the, the representative of like, bad senators who are like don't give characters respect that being said the points he makes are legitimate absolutely like, sound like, i did i did think that i mean i know we're supposed like, to root yeah. for our heroes but he's making sense <laughs> he's like you're gallivanting around with our resources of like fleets and your people's lives and the fuel and the all the other stuff and you have proved, given us no proof, nor did you seek any authorization 
to run these exercises, to run these missions. They're in areas which we do not govern. What are you doing? You're like, yeah, and you're supposed to be like, ah, this piece of crap, slimy guy. I'm like, he's not wrong, though. Like, she's right, but she's given them no evidence. She knows that, that the Empire is trying to get thrown back. She knows it's possible. She knows the areas in which they've uh, they've affected, but again, no evidence. She and she, even though when she was told no, she went there anyway, and she didn't just go herself with her own ship. She took a small group of X-wings and pilots and other people, and other service members. It was like, yeah, the senators, spitting truth. Um, although this uh. The scene we get the the second scene with them having a meeting, Anthony Daniel C three PO, which I was not expecting. Me I neither. I probably should have. Me neither. <laughs> Fortunately, I did watch this on the Wednesday because Thursday Disney Plus here's a character poster of C three PO. So I'm glad that I watched it on time. Um, yeah, it was it was great. That is how you have a character like Princess Leia or General Leia be a part of the show without using Carrie Fisher. Yeah. This is a message that I'm relaying. It's a beloved character. And as you say, Anthony Daniels is back and he is wearing the suit. He is wearing the suit. I mean, could they have done it? I mean, he is no spring chicken. Could they have done it without putting him back in that suit probably but whether it was him them or both i'm glad that this is how they did it that it's once yeah, again it's it's it just it's like the thing that star wars does it just it pays respect you know and the fans appreciate that and i love the fact that he's once again suited up yeah and those mannerisms of his are too are so specific he's been doing this since 1976 like you're not going to find anyone else to replicate that like there were so many jokes on the, like the big bang theory of like sheldon being like c3po and then he would do the kind of like gestures of like exasperation that looked like a robot but i'm like yeah he's i get the joke but you're not anthony daniels mate like <laughs> uh you know a, a trained mime actor and who's <laughs> which is how he got the role in the first place and all the other things and his specific body type. Like I've read his autobiography and he talked about like, especially came come the prequels and all the stuff he's had to do since then. Like it is hard to stay in that sort of shape to fit in that claustrophobic costume. Yeah, no, I bet it was, I mean, a cameo. It was, of course it was a cameo, but it was a perfect cameo. It made sense for the story it was, you know, we were stuck because Hera didn't have a leg to stand on. You mentioned the other guy in the Senate. So we needed to move the storyline along. Stage left, enter C-3PO, exit stage right. Perfect. Yeah, it was yeah. just yeah. a really good use of that character and a scene that you've also got Mon Mothra. It just, it worked really, really well. Yeah. Um. We'll bring up Morgan Elsbeth, uh, played again by Diana Lee Inosanto. Still great. 
still just like she was in Mandalorian season two. But we haven't seen her since that one episode until the start of this season. Um, I was surprised by the reveal that she's a Dathomiri night sister. Um, nothing about her had said that to me, even though uh, once they said it, I'm like, huh, she's always wearing that dark red. I never picked up on that before. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it but, trucks. Yeah. Um, it also explains the training she had with Ahsoka and with the spear in season, in season two of the Mandalorian. But I don't know if she's force sensitive, like the Dathomiri Night Sisters are, because you never see her use those abilities. Um, so maybe she's just Dathomiri. She's not so much a Night Sister, but she is unfortunately kind of relegated to henchmen she is in uh, this yeah she she had a really impressive debut in mandalorian again like you say that one episode she had such a strong presence and yeah. we kind of see that again to begin with but you're right she does get relegated yeah, she sort of as, fades as, as the season goes as soon as you get thrown that's it she is relegated and then she really is relegated to when she's just essentially you know this is your ability or this is take this blade which you know with that we'd seen the dark saber in the mandalorian and it was a yeah. whole thing okay and, and i went with it it was fine but you know star wars like the point of difference had always been the lightsaber which has got such a unique look about it like you and you know just like a quick glimpse lightsaber star wars like you know yeah. what it is straight away but then we've got the dark saber. Okay, so it's a little bit different. It's glowing, but when you get to the blade that she ends up wielding, and it's and the blade or the sword, it's got green flame. Yeah, I, mean, I know it appeared in the animation beforehand, so it is canon. But it yeah. just I don't know. It just seemed odd. And then when she's dueling with Ahsoka, I'm like, well, how's this going to happen? Like, what's going to happen here? Like, it's not lightsaber to lightsaber. And then she smashes yeah. one of Ahsoka's lightsabers. I'm like, I don't know. As I'm watching, I'm thinking, I don't know how the physics are working here. I don't know how these weapons are supposed to go yeah, against each other. It's, uh, and also, you're talking about a, a trained Jedi using the weapon of which she has trained nearly exclusively against Morgan Elsbeth, who we don't know her back story her history like she obviously has a martial arts background but she's given a sword previously we'd only seen us fight with a, a spear or staff and you're supposed to ex accept that she can hold her own against a jedi again you never see her use any of the dathomiri abilities like powers which is generally uh for the most part their magic, which is the way they uh, sink to the force, uh, except for Asar Ventress, who just was full-on force powers. So it's strange. Uh, but the, the green flame, yeah, we, we've seen it in animation. Uh, I knew exactly what was going to happen with the stormtroopers as well, because I've seen them do that with the, the Night Sisters again in the Clone Wars. 
also in the Jedi Survivor video games. It's seen that happen as well. But again, uh, if your I, experience is only what you've seen in live action, it would seem very odd. Very jarring. Incredibly like, jarring. So what? We've got zombie stormtroopers now, which are very cool. Yeah. Or it also you, makes sense. It, it how does. Much, how many resources did they have on that Star Destroyer when it got dragged along? Like, probably not a lot. So how has he been feeding his troops? Oh, uh, probably hasn't been. They've just probably been zombies the whole time, animated by the Night Sisters. Like, makes sense. He needs men. He needs people, uh, personnel to operate the and repair the Star Destroyer. Um, doesn't have the food stores to manage all of that. Yeah, that's one way to get around it. But to a lot of people, other, brand new. It concept. is a lot of people. It's a brand new concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also. This uh, this isn't this is purely speculation on my part, but his cargo that gets loaded onto Thrawn's ship, those are all uh, bodies of Death and Miri Night Witches. I think that's going to be like his horse for what whenever he pops up next, his reanimated Night Sisters. Uh, a lot, a lot of them, uh, especially if they are going to have their abilities like they do in the Clone Wars. Um, so I'm I'm fairly certain of that. There's no evidence that's what it is, but they took it at the catacombs of the Night Sisters Fortress. Again, if you've played those Jedi style uh, survivor games or you watch the episodes of Clone Wars with the Night Sisters and they reanimate the dead to fight the the Trade Federation droids, it's canon. Um so Surprise! That's coming. If you if you were un if you did not like uh, the zombie esque stormtroopers, there's more of that coming. One I mean, of them, I did, I, I way, did like it. It was cool. Yeah, one of them though, the one with the golden face mask. Oh yeah, uh, he actually has a name, Captain Enoch, played by Wes Chatham, who plays Amos Burton on uh, the Expanse. Ah, Phenomenal okay. actor. Love him. He's great. The fact that he does it, he just gets to say like repeat lines, and we don't really get to see his face. I was going to ask, like, do are anything? You, are you getting any of the actor in this performance? None. Okay. None at all. So I'm like, they've gone for a name. I'm expecting him to be a Captain Phasma esque in terms of what his role is. I'm hoping they do more with him than they did with her, though, because. She was criminally underused in the sequel trilogy. Oh, she was so cool uh, when she first turned up, though. Yeah. Stormtrooper uh, with a cape. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like silver and chromy, and it seems yeah. to be like Beskar and like the way it reacts to bolts. And she's a, a mountain of a woman and incredibly intimidating, but never actually accomplishes much, unfortunately, at least on screen. Um, so I'll be curious to see what happens there. Uh, Captain Carson Teva, that, of course, is Paul Sun Yang Lee. Uh, he's the Asian um, X-Wing pilot that we've seen throughout Mandalorian and now this as well. Uh, he's their go-to X-Wing guy. Like He's the one specifically talking to Mando, trying to get Mando some support from the New Republic and failing because they're like, same thing, it's the bureaucracy of like, well, they're outside the Republic. We can't go be giving them resources, even though, but 
you know for a fact that there's a massive imperial force attacking here. Like if we don't if we don't lend our support, they're just going to eventually end up attacking us. Why would we wait? Why we would not cut it off at the pass kind of thing. Um, he's great. It really is. But we're going to mention the Disney Plus posters again, right? Maybe yeah. the last time. So each week they'll release one or a handful of character posters, like Night Sisters. They got a poster. Pretty sure all three were on the same poster. Captain Carson Teva, he got a character poster. But do you know what they did? They used the same photo of the character they'd used in the character poster for the Mandalorian. It <laughs> just changed the background. Yeah. Come on, Disney Plus. Yeah. Do better. If you're going to give yeah. the character a poster, at least give us like another angle of the actor. I don't know. It was just, it was the same photo recycled. Anyway, it's the last time I'll mention the posters. <laughs> we hope. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and finally, we've kind of waited till last. Grand Admiral Thrawn himself, played by Lars Nicholson, the brother of Mads Nicholson, voiced the character all through Rebels. And it was like he just, again, just stepped right on onto the set, like fully formed. Um, his voice and his cadence, excellent. He's he's great. I think he's really well done. They do make some errors, some, some poor writing choices. It's nothing to do with Lars's um, performance. But at the end of episode seven, he states. They've already lost the one thing they couldn't afford to lose, time. We're fully loaded. Let's go. And then yet all of episode eight, it takes like to right to the very end. So much time that on the ground, Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra managed to get all the way to where the Star Destroyer is, make a ground assault, fight through zombie stormtroopers, and then one of them actually get onto the ship, despite the fact that the end of the previous episode is like, We've won. We're fully loaded. Let's go. Like, how long does it take you to launch the Star Destroyer? Oh, I watched you land it like two episodes ago, and it, you just landed. Like, it was not a big deal. Why is it so much harder to then go uh, and raise up a little bit and then fly off? Like, I don't, I don't get it. it. Took you so long. Oh, but they were docking to the ring. They couldn't do that in orbit. This is. A well, just strategist. talking about pacing <laughs> and time frame, like I saw someone made a comment online basically saying, could they not have said, and then Thorn returned? Instead of making like a whole season of television about how he actually returns. But that's what it's about. They need to put him back yeah. on board. They need for him yeah. to return. And he couldn't return until Ezra was also on board. So he could also yeah. return. Yeah, but yeah, and also it's become a meme at this point about how poor the writing was for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Somehow the Emperor has returned and they couldn't afford to do that twice. Somehow <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn has returned because it they will never live that down. They didn't bother to explain how he returned. I think even to this day, like I'm not sure if there's a comic book or anything that covers it, but uh, if you ask even the most hardcore of Star Wars fans, so how did the Emperor actually return? Like, was was that a clone? Uh, was that a reanimated corpse? 
was like, how did he uh, accumulate all of these Star Destroyers? And they're all like, well, I don't know. They never told us. No, no, no. Didn't they do something in like Fortnite? Oh, no, no. No, no, they didn't. Yeah. That was just him announcing his return, that he was back. That wasn't actually explaining how he came back and where he's been all this time and how he has all these people and soldiers and pilots and Star Destroyers and resources and how even though he died seemingly in the destruction of the Death Star over Endor, he ended up on a completely different planet like 30 years later. Don't worry about any of that stuff. It wasn't explained. It wasn't explained. So they couldn't do that with Thrawn. That being said, the pacing of this season was excruciatingly slow. Uh, I've watched multiple people mention this about there's a lot of a line of dialogue gets sent, said, are the other characters stares, they stare at each other. Maybe someone crosses their arms and you wait a couple of minutes and then another line of dialogue to answer that line of dialogue before you continue again. It's like rocks and Dragon Ball Z. Like, don't just stand there and talk about how are you going to be all powerful and you're going to fight and it's going to be this thing. And then I wait three episodes for someone to throw a punch. Throw the punch. It's it's like that, but in Star Wars form. And it was dialogue, not action. And I'm like, oh, my God, these are a lot. You know, I actually watched someone clock the first episode of Ahsoka where the, the sequence where we first see her, where she's at that temple, she steps into shot, she walks, does a thing, cuts a hole, drops in, sees the puzzle, kind of solves it. No dialogue of any kind. It's 12 and a half minutes. It's nearly half the first episode, that sequence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she doesn't long. say a word. And they're like, did you forget editing exists? Why are your, when you've only got like 30, 35 ep- minutes per episode, are you burning so much of your screen time spinning wheels, you're not doing anything? Like, yes. You're going to deliver you when you deliver dialogue or an emotional beat or something like that. You want to slow it down and give it a pause for that to sink in for the audience before you move on. But you've taken so long. I can't read your emotional beats and your important information from just your stretching out a normal conversation. These eight episodes, like again, they were only 35 minutes. They felt longer. And that's not because they're so jam packed full of stuff. It took the first two episodes to get to where Rebels ended, which I said, all right, you know what? I understand. They probably anticipated not a lot of people would have caught up on Rebels in order to start watching this. So they kind of need to spend some time introducing these characters like they're brand new to people because for a lot of people they are before they go forward. But like we've you mentioned earlier in the podcast, they're talking about Ezra. Ezra's gone. We need to find Ezra. They're also trying to bring back Thrawn. But if we know where Thrawn is, we also know where Ezra is. You're just told Ezra, Ezra, Ezra. You don't have any emotional connection and seemingly nor the characters. I mean, when Sabine finally runs into him, they have a hug. And then the next time you see them, they're traveling somewhere and it's quiet. They're not still yeah. busy. Like, there's I a get, lot of emotion Yeah, I get what you're saying. Emotion, pacing. Like the whole thing with Ezra's like, what happened with Ahsoka? And Sabine's like, it's complicated. And then she you just think she's dead. 
I know, but like you just said, complicated. <laughs> and you just yeah. um, spending time with them in silence. And then eventually Ahsoka's back. I thought you were dead. Uh, I don't know. Yes, the pacing definitely is is something. You know, when you were saying all that, you reminded me of a meme. And you know the episode where Carson is like, what did I miss? You know, he's, he's yeah. clearly like missed something. And, you know, Hera, her son is force sensitive. And all of that's yeah, happening. Canaan's son. That's right. And he's like, what did I miss? And in the meme... Like somebody's holding up a copy of Star Wars Rebels. Here, watch this. Yeah, so that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but that that, that there funny. is a lot of that though. It's like if you didn't honestly, if you didn't watch Star Wars Rebels, you're gonna spend a lot of this show going. Am I missing something? Am I missing? You are. You're missing four seasons of Rebels and Clone Wars, like for for Ahsoka, and that's yeah. And and that's the thing. So if you've seen all of that, even though you've got issues with the pacing, like the show is engineered for you. Like it's for somebody who has seen it all. So what you're not necessarily having to do is get told information that you already know. There's an assumption yeah. there, which is very yeah. bold of them, that people have all seen it and everybody is caught up. And then just there's been so much uh, character development over those different seasons that the relationships are already there. So this show yeah. isn't going to build or show you those relationships because the assumption is that you know that they're already there. Yeah. It is, it's, it's, it's a weird one, but yeah, just hearing you say that about pacing, I think watching it weekly benefited the show because imagine binge watching all eight episodes just sitting oh, down, getting like comfortable, one after the other. You, then you'd probably notice the pacing even more. You're like, why are we not moving forward? Nothing's really happening. Yeah. I mean, there, there is um, things that do happen when you get to the end of all eight episodes, but you're right, yeah. pacing is a big issue. Yeah, and it's, again, I'm someone with all of the context of everything that happened beforehand. I... I'm concerned about viewers who haven't watched it all. And you know, for, uh, you're talking, oh, you go seven to seven seasons of Clone Wars. You're probably looking, there's about four, three and a half, four hours. And then Rebels is four seasons. There's another, what, uh, was it like 10 episodes, half hour each? Like another four hours. You're looking at like, you know what? Clone Wars is probably longer. You're probably looking at about 12 hours total Easy, to catch yeah. up to watch this five hours worth of TV, you know, eight 35-minute episodes. That's too much homework for your average person. In fact, even for your not average people, that's a lot too much homework. Yeah, again, like I've, I've got friends, Star Wars fans. That yeah. They've not started Ahsoka because they know that they they don't have all the story. Like yeah. They're watching uh, a continuation a of something they haven't seen. Yeah. And so for me, who's got all the context, and I watch this and the pacing slow, and I'm like, you haven't delivered anything for me. Like You haven't even delivered anything I know because I watched everything else. So what are you delivering and waiting on to sink in for the viewers who don't know? 
you well, you haven't done anything, you haven't said anything. It's it's a MacGuffin hunt for the the bally thing. That's the map, and then they get the things off the map at the place, and they shoot off, and then they get there, and it's a lot of waiting for Brawn to load up, and then uh, they could jump back in, but. Like if you actually write like write out what happens over the course of the season, it's three things dragged over eight episodes. I'm like, you you really need to do more for your your casual viewers. And I say casual viewers, I'm talking about the viewers like your friends who've watched all the live action stuff, who've watched all the movies. Like they've already digested a lot of content. You've got to help those people out. And it's a massive, massive like obstacle. They haven't delivered. But um, then again, it's still not a show that you can think, well, do you know what? I'm watching Mandalorian. I'll just skip Ahsoka and I'll wait for the next season of Mandalorian or I'll wait for the yeah. next live action Star Wars. You're going to miss can't. too much by this. missing Ahsoka. That is a continuation of two separate animated TV series. Yeah. Yeah, because this is 100% going to impact the next live action Star Wars show, as long as that show is not Andor, because that takes place before all of this. Um, yeah, it's it's a big ask. Um, and that, unfortunately, is going to affect my rating significantly. Well, I think we're there. So if you're going to rate Ahsoka out of five. Um, I'm going to come in at a three. Uh, it's well shot. Costumes are great. There are bright spots in terms of performances. Uh, David Tennant, Ray Stevenson, Hayden Christensen, uh, Ariana Greenblatt, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, uh, Lars Mikkelsen. These got people are doing great jobs. Even Rosario Dawson and stuff. I know what she's capable of, but the the, the lack of emotionality from all of the female characters and on the show, uh, the the pacing's all over the place. Um, and the fact that for people who don't have all the, the context as I do, and but it is necessary. You know, I'm giving it a three because you do have to watch it. If you're going to watch the next thing, if you've watched the lot previous thing, they dropped this all over season three Mandalorian. Like, with you and your Dark Trooper thing. Well, what about Admiral Thrawn? Has anyone spoken to him? That was like Moff Gideon line. That was all dialogue from season episode seven of Mandalorian season three. Like they've referenced and they referenced Thrawn in season two in the Ahsoka episode. She's like, where's Thrawn? Where's your master? Like to Morgan Elspeth, like when they're dueling, like this is payoff. It's is well, it's, more paving of the road that leads to the payoff, which will be a, a, presumably the Thrawn movie. You do have to watch it, but it is going to be a difficult watch, I imagine, in a binge. Yeah. As you said, week to week, it was quite good. It was good. It wasn't so bad because the pacing. So, but if after a week of digestion, you go into the next one, you're ready again. Stream this eight episodes in a row. Oof. Feel for people. Uh that's my rating. <laughs> How about yourself? Yeah. It it does seem really low. Um, I'm also gonna come in at a three. It is a good show. I'd say it the pacing is an issue, but it looks good, it 
it's it you know it feels like a star wars show lightsabers you've got jedi sith and there is things to like about it but again like there's so many gaps that people are going to have if they don't have all the information without seeing those animated series i said early on how it just stops and again yeah. is it a mini series is it season one we don't we don't really know but it kind of like it just stops and i'm like yeah. oh right so it's we're like, just, it's we're like just ending the, yeah we're just ending there are we i thought we we're going to get some sort of closure but i guess it's about thrawn being back as we've been back but even that like as the audience that we know absolutely that thrawn will return so much dialogue is spent between characters doubting whether or not he's going to even return and her is like he's going to return he will he'll return yeah. and you got the whole thing and it's great because c3po comes in and all of that but at the same time as the audience was so far ahead of most of the characters in the show so we'll yeah. wait for them to catch up but even then they don't see him return but we do and you're just waiting for that moment to happen you know the casting i really liked the casting and who they brought back you know whether it's david tennant or other actors that are back from previous star wars films tv i liked all of that but yeah it's it's a three out of five i definitely want to see what happens next and i get what you're saying about rosario dawson i've seen her behind the scenes doing the stunt work she's obviously putting a lot into it but other actors in the show may be a little bit better, maybe a little bit quicker than what she is. And she's mm. supposed to be one of the best. So I can see yeah. where you're coming from with that. But yeah, there we go. Ahsoka three out of five before watching the first episode. That's not where I thought we would be at both giving it a three out of five, but there's things to like about it, but it, it could have been better. Yeah. And I feel like for Rosario, like Rosario Dawson's um, training, you do have some people with her with her costume and makeup. These, if if she doesn't have the time to put in because of her busy schedule and all the and being on set, she's the number one on the call sheet. You can get stunt actors to cover for her until you do your close ups and bits and pieces. I don't know why they've forgotten that these people exist. Um, you know, you've got people like Scott Adkins, who's made an entire career out of that. You've got the actress who did Ahsoka's motion capture in season seven. You could throw her in the makeup and have her cover it and speed up these fights and add some more energy. There are ways around it, and hopefully they they figure it out by the next time they bring it up. You know, I know we've just done our rating, uh, but just you just reminded them the the look of Ahsoka. So the the Montrals, oh, you know, the I... that she has, yeah. So seeing her without a headband or anything on the head, you just oh, okay, it was so weird. That's how the face merges yeah. into the Montrals. I, I didn't quite know that's what it was gonna what it's gonna yeah. look like. We don't get too it much of that, off. but it's yeah, it's a little bit odd isn't it but what's interesting yeah. though like for the movement of them they they basically they had to create technology 
to to get the movement. So he didn't exist until this show. And what they essentially did was they had 3D printed skeletons inside of each Montreal so they could be moving individually. Because it looks like it could just be a VFX, but there is actually somebody moving them just so they don't look as though they're just hanging off of a head. So visually, the character looks great as long as she's wearing yeah. a headband. But... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we yeah, go. Because I don't, I don't need to see that again. <laughs> Absolutely not. And we did see... Well, maybe not her, but another of her race in Tales yeah, of the yeah, Jedi. Yeah, but that was animated, though. Yeah. That was animated. That was okay. It was like a baby. Anyway, that was a different a different character, a different thing. Yeah. Well, that Super episode all about Ahsoka. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.